Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us here today. And uh, we're in a series called Hustle and Flow. I, I, I love watching all of you bob your heads to hypnotize there as we're uh, getting rolling there on the, the, the cover song there on the video. But uh, before we kind of begin today, let me just give you two things uh, of what's going on here at Coastal. Everybody say tonight. Tonight at 6 p.m., we have our DNA class. You just saw a little video about that. Uh, this is an opportunity for those, maybe you've been coming here for a little while trying to figure out if this is a great church for you. This is your opportunity to come meet our staff, hear about our vision, our values, uh, what we hold near and dear to our heart. And also, just your next step. If you're like, hey, I, I want to get involved. What's my next step? This is a great next step. It's going to be happening at 6 o'clock at our church offices. You can sign up at the information table or on our app or online, and we'd love to have you. We're going to have child care. We'll have some food. It'll take about an hour and 20 minutes, and uh, you'll be out. It's a, it's a great time for us to get to know you and for you to get to know us as well. And then secondly, uh, on August 6th, uh, we have a really, really exciting thing happening. On August 6th, we have our groundbreaking uh, for our permanent facility in Parkland. And uh, I, we're, we're super stoked about that. I know that this is the, the Pompano campus, and so you're like, man, that's, a, that's really far away. We're one church with multiple locations, and so our Coconut Creek campus is getting ready to build their first facility. And so we'd love for you guys to come out. And so on August 6th, we're going to be doing church all morning, and then that afternoon at 4 p.m., we're going to be out at our church property that we purchased. We're going to have bounce houses. We're going to have obstacle courses for for the adults, and we'll have some stuff for kids too, uh, but uh, I'm just kidding. We're going to have all that stuff for kids, but we'll have, we'll have all kinds of stuff going on out there. We're going to do a little bit of worship, and we're going to break ground, and we're going we're gonna to dedicate that property to Christ, and we're going to begin construction on our first permanent facility, which is an exciting thing for us as a church. And, uh, but today, we're going to continue in this series called Hustle and Flow, and we're going to be studying the book of James, like we have been for the last month or so. If you want to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3, we're going to be looking at James chapter 3 today. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. You can look in your worship guide, or you can, you can look on the screen. All the notes will be on there as well. But this series has, has been a verse-by-verse -verse study on, on this book in the Bible called James. And James is written by the half-brother of Jesus. And it's, it's all about uh, daily practical living. It's actually considered the wisdom book of the New Testament of the Bible. There's a wisdom book in the Old Testament called the book of Proverbs. This is the wisdom book for the New Testament. And really, it's about uh, your practical faith. It's not just about your words, but it's also about your actions in life. Do those things line up? Hence the series title, Hustle and Flow. It's about our hustle. It's about what we're doing in life, and it's about our flow. It's about the words that are coming out of our mouth. Do they align? Do they correlate? In life, And so we're going to be looking at James chapter 3, verse 13, starting there today. Before we do, I want to tell you the story, because it kind of sets up the, the talk today that we're going to have. When I was 16 years old, um, I, I grew up between the Sarasota, Bradenton area and Fort Myers. I actually went to my first two years of high school in Fort Myers. And growing up, I was this basketball player. I thought I was going to be a basketball star um, and, and so growing up, I, I played on traveling teams. I played on an AAU team or an AAU team, 16 and under, won the national championships. I mean, we're 
we were good at basketball growing up, and I thought, man, this is, this is what's going to get me to college. This is what's going to get me to school. The only problem is, is as we got older, I didn't grow and everybody else did. And so I was kind of like a power forward trapped in a point guard's body. And so I, I ended up loving football, and that, that kind of took me places. But at 16 years old, I was still passionate about basketball. I was still trying to play both. And uh, when I was in school, there was this big uh, basketball tournament that would happen all over the country, and, and all over the country, these different regions would then have like this big championship, and it was called Hoop It Up Three-on-Three Basketball Tournaments. Anybody remember Hoop It Up Basketball Tournaments? I mean, they're still going on today. I looked it up. There's actually one coming up in Miami, and so there are these big basketball tournaments based on age and height and all these things, and so we're 16, and so we put together a team of some of the guys on our AAU basketball team. It was myself and three guys that went to a school called Fort Myers High, and so uh, they were great at basketball, and so together we made this incredible team, and, and in this tournament, we were killing everybody. I mean, they weren't even scoring like 10 points on us, and it was a game to 21 by single-digit points, and we were just dominating people, and we finally got to the championship game, and we were playing a, a group of kids from a high school further south from us called Estero High, and there was some tension that was between Fort Myers High and Estero High because earlier in the year at a football game, a huge fight had broken out in the stands. And then at some parties, there were some shootings that had happened. And so there was this animosity between these two schools. And so when people heard that these three guys from Fort Myers High and myself were playing against kids from Estero, like all these people gathered around this half court of basketball uh, downtown in Fort Myers. And so there was probably two, three, four hundred people gathered around us, and we started playing this game, and we were doing really well. We were up 19 to 15. I'll, I'll never forget this moment. We were up 19 to 15. Uh, I drove baseline down the left baseline, and I went up, and, and I, I did a layup. I got the point, uh, and as I was running by, there was this group of people from Estero that were talking smack the entire time we were playing, particularly this group of girls, and so as I ran by them after I scored the point, I started blowing kisses to the girls. Because that's what a cocky, arrogant, 16-year-old guy does with lots of testosterone, okay? So, uh, so I, I did that not thinking anything about it, you know, just being arrogant and cocky in the moment. And, and I kind of came back around and started to get into a defensive position. And as I was running by, one of the football players from Fort Myers High, a good friend of mine named Dave, uh, Dave yelled out, yeah, girls, check that dude out. That's what a real man looks like. You should get with him. And uh, next thing I know, as I turned around to get into a defensive position, this girl comes out of nowhere with an umbrella and smacks Dave in the face with it. And then Dave's friend punches the girl. And then pandelarium just breaks out. Like people started fighting all over the place. People were being thrown to the ground. Stomping was going on. And I, and I just turned around and I'm like, what in the world just happened? Like, it literally took cops coming in and breaking it up. They wouldn't even let us finish the game. They just called it. And it was like this, this huge news in our community because of this major, major riot that kind of happened at this basketball game. And I thought to myself, man, that kind of correlates so much to our life. We go through life and we make a snap, instantaneous decision. And not really thinking much about the decision, we don't realize the chaos and the implications that follow it. 
So many of us, we're going through some situations right now, and we're, we're facing some chaos in our marriage, and we're like, man, how did this all happen? What did it stem from? And, it, and if we were to look back, it would stem from a simple decision that we made to just compound it over time. Some of us, we're going through some chaos in our finances, and we're like, man, how do we end up at this place where there's more month than there is money? And if we were to take a look back and step back, we'd realize that it started with a simple decision. They just compounded over time, and now chaos is ensuing all around us in our finances. Maybe in your career right now, we're in your friendships or in your relationships. I don't know what it can be, but for a lot of us, chaos has ensued because of simple decisions that we've made without really thinking about it. And I found that when you don't make great choices initially, what you want to do is you want to make riskier choices in those moments to try to make up for the bad last choice that you made. And so you make another riskier choice trying to hope that it can, it can take over the previous risk choice you had. And all of a sudden, you just start escalating the chaos in your life. And what we fail to realize is that chaos always begins with decision. It begins with choices. And the problem for a lot of us is the chaos we're facing in life is because we didn't make an initial wise decision and it's coming to bite us in the butt. And James kind of poses this question about wisdom in James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. He says, who is wise in understanding among you? He goes, hey, listen, who's got some wisdom and who's got some understanding going on in their lives? And I think that that's a great question that we should ask ourselves. Am, am I living a wise and understanding life? Because if we're going to start to rid ourselves of chaos, we got to understand the process of how chaos began. And chaos always begins with choice. If you don't like the direction of your life, start looking at the choices that you're making because the choices that you're making are determining the direction of your life. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about this idea of wisdom when it comes to our choices. In fact, the Bible says that, man, wisdom is one of the, the greatest commodities that we can own or we can acquire in our life. And when we think about wisdom, we think about wisdom in typically one of two ways. We think about, oh, wisdom is having all the information. It's having all the knowledge in life. And that's an aspect of wisdom. Then others of us on the flip side of that think wisdom as this experience thing. They've experienced a lot of life and therefore they have wisdom. But I know a lot of people that have experienced a lot in life that are stupid. Come on now, so do you. Experience doesn't make you wise. Because I know people that keep having the same experience over and over again and they haven't figured it out. So, so what is wisdom? Wisdom is a combination of information and experience, when applied, transforms your life. When applied properly, transforms your life. And today I want to talk to us about how do we realize the process of how chaos happens and then how do we apply wisdom to our life so that we can make sure that we can navigate the way out of chaos and into what God has for each and every one of us. And so, if we're going to understand that, we have got to understand how chaos uh, happens in our life. And so, if you're taking notes, one of the primary ways that chaos happens in our life is, is chaos happens when we become complacent in life. When we start to get lazy at the, 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 
the activities that have brought us success. A lot of people think it's the big things in life, but it really is the little things. In fact, James says in James chapter 3, verse 13, the whole verse says this, who is wise and understanding among you? He said, let him show his good life by the deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And so he, he correlates what wise and understanding is. A wise and understanding person is somebody who shows he's wise and understanding by the things that he's doing consistently in his life. People a lot of times think, man, I, I've got all the information I need. And so they're like, man, I, 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 I want to have a good marriage. And so they say to themselves, you know what, I'm going to have a good marriage. I'm going to get married to this person. And a lot of times it's a guy that does this and is like, I'm going to tell her I love her. And then he goes on with life and thinks, well, I told her I love her. She should know that. The problem is, is that love is communicated continuously, or it's not. So you can say, I love you one time, but what are the things that you're going to do to communicate love over and over and over again? I talk to people that come in for marriage counseling all the time, and they say, they'll, they'll say this to me all the time, like, man, our love is just dying, and I'll, I'll go, tell me what's happened. Well, I was working really hard at our marriage, and it was going really good, and then I stopped putting in so much effort and kind of fell apart. And I said, exactly. There's your problem. You became complacent. You thought that just by existing in marriage, that your marriage would just continue to get better. But that's not how life works. Whenever you don't put work into something consistently, let me just tell you something. It doesn't work. And what happens in our life is when we get complacent in a place and we become lazy in it, we stop putting in the work it stops working. That's why, that's why James is telling us, man, you got to show it continuously. you got to be humble about it and just go, man, I'm going to go at it every single day. In fact, Proverbs talks about this. In Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 and 31, it says, he says, I went past the field of a sluggard. In other words, a person that had become lazy or a person that had become complacent past the vineyard of a man who lacked judgment, who was unwise, Thorns had come up everywhere, and the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. See, what I found is complacency always causes things to get out of control. It always does. And we think that, man, if we just got a quick fix, that it would change everything. See, but it's the daily habits done consistently that proved to make us wise and successful in life. A lot of people think, man, my, my finances are a mess, and all I need is this one big payday, and it's going to change everything. Yes, it will change everything for that moment, but the habits that got you into the mess that you're in now, if you don't learn how to change those habits, you'll be right back in the same situation you're in now. Why? Because You've got to learn how to stop being complacent and learn how to get on a budget. You know what's interesting to me is as, as a church, we, we offer like uh, Dave Ramsey financial peace classes and opportunities for people to get their, their finances uh, in order and figure all that stuff out. And the people that show up to those groups are the people that have it all figured out. It makes no sense to me, but what I've I realized over time is the reason that people that are financially successful keep showing up to those groups is because they don't ever want to get complacent in their finances. 
They want to make sure that they're staying on budget. They want to make sure that they're maximizing their retirement accounts. They want to make sure that they're, they're trusting God first. And anything they can do to tweak and become better causes them to have to live this incredible life. Live like no one else so you can live like no one else is what Dave Ramsey says. And it, it happens in daily minute things. The problem is, is the people that need it don't go and do it because it causes them to be consistent and they just want to be complacent. And they wonder why their financial life is in ruin all the time. Nothing in life gets better by doing nothing. Nothing changes in your life by doing nothing for the positive. Like things will change if you do nothing. It'll just go to ruin. It's a biblical principle. And when things start to fall apart and things start to creep up in your life, it's because typically we've become complacent in that area. And it's causing chaos to take place. And another way chaos happens is when we allow our emotions to get out of control. When we allow the inside to start to dictate the outside. In fact, verse 14, he says, but if you harbor Bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. He's talking about what goes on on the inside starts to control what's going on on the outside. What happens in life is we allow our emotions to take over our situations. And anytime we allow our emotions to escalate, it never ends well. It never helps the situation. The last time you got angry, did it help the situation or did it hurt it? It hurts it every single time. Why? Because your emotions took control and it creates chaos. Like, I've found that, that when I allow my emotions to take control, I always end up imagining the worst-case scenario. And we, so many times we allow our emotions to get the last word instead of allowing God to get the last word. And when we allow our emotions to get the last word, all of a sudden it starts to control our life and it creates chaos in every single aspect of our life. In fact, I found some research this week that shows that that said, and this is internet, so it is what it is. Take it for what it's worth. That, that when you're stressed, you're 50% more likely to make unhealthy life decisions in those moments. Think about it. When you're stressed, for a lot of people, I, I know that this is my problem, I eat. I'm a stress eater. And I don't eat like, you know, leafy greens or kale <laughs> like I eat like bags of skittles and drink mountain dew and then eat a box of cookies and a pint of ice cream like last time I checked that isn't a very healthy life decision <laughs> like I just reduced my life by a couple years just in that one choice but we all do that that's why Proverbs talks so much about guarding our heart in fact in Proverbs 4 20 through 23, it says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a whole man's body. He says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of your life. See, when we start to fix what's happening on the inside, we start to experience life differently on the outside. He says how we do that is we've got to 
get our emotions under control and we've got to guard our heart from being fixated on selfish things, from being fixated on prideful things, from being fixated on, on, on letting our emotions run wild in our life because anytime we do that, it's just going to create internal chaos which is going to externally affect us. And so he says, listen, man, we've got to understand that chaos happens when we become complacent. And when we become complacent, all of a sudden our emotions start to rise up. And as our emotions start to rise up, when that chaos starts to happen, what we do is we end up allowing, and, and I don't know why we do this, but we end up ha- happening, having chaos happen to leave God out of our lives. When chaos starts, starts happening in our lives, all of a sudden we start to, to kind of push God out of the picture of our lives, and we start to try to take over. In fact, in verse 15, he says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For when you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. And what ends up happening is, is as those things are taking place in our life, as chaos is taking over, we start to go, you know what, God, I've got this. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to take over this situation. I'm going to take over these circumstances, and I'm going to start to run this under my own power and under my own control and under my own ability. And here's the problem with that kind of thought process is, is the Bible tells us in Proverbs that there is a way that seems right to a man. It seems like a good idea for me to take control because that's what the world tells me to do. Take control. Take control of the situation. Take control of your life. But every time I start to take control, man, I, I start to allow my ego to take over. And when my ego tar- starts to take over, I start to edge God out of my life. Because that's what ego is. It's edging God out of your life. And every time I edge God out of my life, it always, it always ends up killing something in my life. And every time something dies, it throws me into a chaotic state. And so he's going, why do you try to continue to do things on your own? It's time for you to get wise and to get some understanding and operate differently. That's why Proverbs tells us in Proverbs chapter uh, 4, verse 7, Wisdom is supreme. It says, wisdom is the ultimate thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. He says, man, check this out. Wisdom is the ultimate thing. There, so many of us are searching after significance. We're searching after financial success. We're searching after relationships. And we think, man, if I just had that, it would be the ultimate. And, and, and God goes, man, there's something that's greater than that. There's a wisdom that is greater than all those things. We're going to explain that. He says, man, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, that's what you want to have in your life. That's what you want to go after because it is worth it. So what does that wisdom look like? Like, what does the wisdom from God look like? And in verse 17 and 18, it says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. He says, here's what happens when you start to get wisdom from heaven. Chaos does not ensue in your life. In fact, peace comes in your life. And as you have peace in your life, you start to sow peace and you harvest this righteousness, this right standing 
with God because you're operating in the wisdom of God. So how do we attain that wisdom? What does that look like for us practically today? And, and I kind of put it like this. We got to get PB and J in our lives. We got to get some PB and J. And, and I know when we think of PB and J, we think about, about peanut butter and jelly. But God has got some different PB and J for our lives. And, and it's, it's, it's really simple. It starts with, if you're taking notes, number one, it starts with prayer. If you're going to get the wisdom of heaven, you've got to connect to heaven. You've got to connect to the source of all wisdom. In fact, in James 1.5, which we read in the very first week, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. See, we have this God in heaven who wants to give wisdom generously, who's, who's just waiting for you and I to just ask him for things. The problem is, is in society today, we've become accustomed to this mentality where we've got to be self-made. I've got to make this on my own. I can't ask for help. You know, I can find help through Google, but I can't help find help through others. And so we, we become very self-oriented where I'm going to find this out. I'm going to do it on my own instead of asking for help. And we learn the hard way. I know for my own life, I'm, I'm very much that way. I, I struggle to ask for help because my pride gets in the way. Because if I have to ask for help, that means that I'm inadequate or I don't have it all together. And all of us put on this front that we've got it all together. But the reality is, is God knows that we're jacked up. God knows that we're messed up. We might be trying to front everybody else, but he sees the depths of our heart. He sees the reality of our life. Yet we try to do it on our own. In fact, this, this past week I was going through just a, a, a hellacious time where I was trying to figure things out and, and I was racking my brain. I was trying to work out every scenario in my head. Anybody else that way? Like I've got to try to, like I'm going to maximize every single thing and the reality is, is I should run to God first, but my tendency is to run to God last. I'm preaching to myself today. And I remember I was getting to this point where I was so frustrated, and I, I finally was like, man, I need help. And I still didn't run to God first. I, I ran to a friend. I remember calling him up, and I'm, it was my pastor, and I said, man, Pastor Randy, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm facing dilemmas. I'm facing decisions that I've never faced before. I've never tried this. I've never done this. I don't know what to do. What do you, what do you think? What, and I just sought wisdom. And so many times what God wants us to do is he wants us to seek him out. Not be too proud to, to go before him and go, God, this is where I'm struggling. And some of you, you're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling in your finances. You need to start running to God and going, God, this is what's going on. Like I've got a career decision I need to make. I've got an opportunity here and I've got an opportunity there. God, what is the wise choice to make? Because I can make a list of pros and cons, and that makes sense to me. But what makes sense to you? What are you trying to speak? What are you trying to say to me today? And the aspect of prayer that most of us are really good at is the talking part. Where I fail a lot, and I'm going to guess you probably fail a lot, is the listening part. See, where if we do ask God, we're quick to ask God, but we forget about what we talked about last week, the waiting part. The why am I talking part, where we sit back and we use our two ears instead of our one mouth and we listen for God to speak to our hearts and give us the wisdom and the direction that we're looking for. 
We skip that part. We wonder, why am I not getting the answers? Because you're not listening to God. And here's the amazing thing about God. Is God wants to speak to you. I mean, we just read a verse in James 1.5 that says, if we ask, he'll give generously. Like he has an abundance, that scripture literally means he has an abundance and overflowing that we can ask every second of every single day. And he has enough wisdom to, to dish it out to every single one of us, specifically for the situation we're dealing with in our life. If we'll take the time to listen, all of a sudden, his peace will start to come in our lives and start to lead and guide us in directions. Here's the incredible thing about God is that the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We, 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 we see scriptures like that. We think, man, I've got to be terrified of God and and the reality is, is that fear is not a terrifying fear. It's a, it's a fear of, it's a healthy fear. It's like a father and son relationship. Like growing up, I feared my father because when I made mistakes, he corrected me with a spanking. Like that was fearful as a kid. Like I don't want to mess up because I don't want to get a spanking. But I'm thankful for those spankings. But I also knew that when I was, I was in a difficult situation, that the same God, dad that would spank me would also be the same dad that would let me curl up in his arms and ask questions, and he would protect and guide and lead me. And some of us have failed to realize that there is a God in heaven that Hebrews tells us that we can run boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. And some of us, we're in some situations where we need to go to God, and, and there's a need in our life, and we need to jump up in our heavenly father's arms and go god this is where i'm at i need you and i'm just going to sit here and wait on your answer and so if we're going to if we're going to find wisdom it starts through prayer the b is the p and the b is the bible see i've learned in life that i can learn the hard way or I can learn the easy way. And a lot of us like to learn the hard way, which is we have to go figure it out on our own through mistake after mistake after mistake. And some of us, no matter how many mistakes we, we make, we still ain't learning. So maybe that isn't just the hard way, that's the stupid way. Let's just be honest. Or there's an easy way, which is you can learn from other people's experiences and you can learn from other people's lives. And other people's situations and you can gain the wisdom and the insight that that led and guided them through their lives and apply those same principles and the same promises to your life. And see, there is wisdom that God has already given us right before our eyes. It's called the Word of God. And it's stories of people just like you and me who have been in situations that we're facing today. And God has given them promises and He's given them principles that applied to them then, that applied to us now. In fact, in Deuteronomy 4, 4 through 6, and it, sees, it says this, See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded, so that you may follow them in the land that you are entering to take possession of. See, uh, he's talking to the children of Israel right here, but all of us have a land that we are entering. All of us have got a purpose. All of us have got a plan that God is journeying us through to get to the destination that he has for our lives. He wants us to get there. 
The problem is, is there are some things that he has been commanding us. There have been some decrees that have been put out there that are only found in his word. In fact, in the next verse, if we're going to achieve the purpose and potential that God has for us, we have to, to observe those things carefully. And we think observe, oh, oh I have to see those things. No, no, no. It, that word observe there is not just an observation as is, I look at those things, but the word observe is actually an actionable word. It's the word of, it, it's, it's like the context of not only do I see it, but I do those things. He says, observe them carefully for this will show you your, this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this is the great nation who is wise and an understanding people. He says, like, Man, as we observe those things, as we listen to that direction that God is giving to us, man, we can show people the wisdom of God based on doing God's wisdom. In fact, in the word of God, there are over 7,000 promises for each and every one of us. But every single promise in God's word has a premise and a lot of us, we stand on the promises of God, but we sit on the premise and we wonder why the promise isn't happening. Because there's some sort of action we have got to take in order to enact that promise and that wisdom for our life. See, it's not just about knowing God's word. It's about doing God's word. It's about being an applier of God's word. And, and the amazing thing is that the wisdom is sitting on the coffee table of our house. Will we take the time to dig in and grab it? And apply it. Like wisdom takes work, people. It takes some effort on our part. So he says, prayer, Bible, PB, and J. And the J is for Jesus. See, our life. Ultimately, the goal of our life is to be centered around Jesus. And I love Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And I think that God would say this to each and every person in here today, that this is actually a word for you. You're like, man, I want to know what God has called me to in life. I want to know what my purpose is, what my destiny is. What is, what is that thing? And, and God, I'm going to tell you what it is. It says, my purpose, your purpose, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that so many of us are looking for. In order to get rid of the chaos, we've got to have the wisdom and knowledge necessary in our lives to apply it so that we can move out of the chaotic situation that we're facing. And that's found in Jesus. The problem for some of us is, is that we haven't found Jesus yet, and so it's really hard to have all wisdom and understanding when you don't have the source of wisdom and understanding. For others of us, we've 
found Jesus. And what I mean by that is we understand who he is and what he's done, that he was the son of God. And he came to this earth and died on a cross, paid a brutal death for your sins and mine, and three days later rose again. And promises that anyone who believes in him confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved and so some of you you know Jesus as your savior but Jesus isn't just want to be your savior he wants to be your everything The goal of your relationship with God is just that your life would be in sync with Jesus' life. That your heart would be in sync with Jesus' heart. That your words would be in sync with Jesus' words. That your ways would be in sync with Jesus' ways. That you would literally be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. let's not forget, because we love to say things like that, but let's not forget what happened to the hands and feet of Jesus. They were pierced and they were broken. See, and as we start to align ourselves with the very heart and nature of God, the heart and very nature of Jesus, it challenges us to be different than what we naturally are. I don't know about you, but I'm naturally very selfish in life. I make decisions based on what's best for me a lot of the times. And, and what I've found is a lot of times when I make decisions based on what's best for me, it creates a lot of chaos in my life. But as you start to study the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't live a life that was based on what was best for him. He lived a life that was based on what was best for people. In fact, in Matthew 20, 28, it said, Jesus said this, I, I, I didn't come to this earth to be served, but to serve others and give my life as a ransom for many. See, and that just goes against my natural tendency. See, my my. My natural tendency is I, I want to get position in life. I want to achieve things in life. And Jesus was never about position. He was always about people. And I like people, but I never forget when God maybe understands the very heart of Jesus. It was over eight years ago, and Shayla and I were living in Bradenton, Florida, living the American dream. We had just built our dream house. All of our family near lived near us. We drove nice cars and had retirement accounts, and our future planned for us of 
going to have kids on this day. We're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to retire here. Shayla worked for a golf course, which was amazing because that meant free golf for me all the time. I had like the best job in the world at one of the fastest growing, most amazing churches in the entire world that I loved dearly. It utilized all of my strengths and minimized my weaknesses. It was like the sweet spot of everything. In fact, I thought, that, man, we had settled. Like this was, this was going to be the rest of our life. It's going to be fantastic. I'll never forget when God showed up one day on a golf course while I was by myself playing golf on a sabbatical and said, it's time for you to go. I'm like, where? Home? It's like, no, it's time for you to leave everything. And go to a place that you don't know, to a people you've never met. To, be, to tell them about a God that they don't serve but who loves them unconditionally and I'll be honest I was mad I don't want to go anywhere I like my life I like my status I like my armada with 22's packing up our what little bit of things that we had left as we started answering the call of God to come to South Florida to reach people where we didn't know a soul. And emptying bank accounts and selling virtually everything we owned to start a church that nobody even knew about or cared about. never forget going out and just serving people unconditionally with no strings attached handing out bottles of water on the corner telling them when people would ask how much does this cost it's free and they'd be like nothing in life is free I'd be like uh uh it's one thing it's one thing in this life that's free it's a relationship with Jesus people just thinking we're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs one day before we ever even had our first service a lady called on the phone and her name was Carolyn never forget Carolyn she goes man I got a somebody gave me a card and said this was free because of Jesus tell me more about Jesus that day I got to lead Carolyn into a relationship with Jesus Christ Carolyn's life is different because Shayla and I chose to be selfless instead of selfish. Chose to follow the heart of God. And over time, as we started the church, we started seeing more and more stories like that. I remember a couple years ago when we went to our Coconut Creek campus and we said, hey, we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience hell and follow Jesus. And people that live east of 95 don't come west, and so we need to go to them. So it's going to cost us a whole bunch of money and 
but people are worth it because Jesus said they were. And I remember those people giving sacrificially in that moment. And I remember God going, it's, it's time for you to be sacrificial too. And I'm like, man, I've sacrificed enough. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he said, no, you haven't. And I remember selling our Jeep and giving to all that. And I'll never forget that first week of this campus. When a guy named John walked in with a beer in one hand and a fanny pack with another. Throughout the service and the message, he's just drinking that beer. And at the end of the message, with tears streaming down his face, John gave his heart to Jesus. And at the end of the service, he came down and prayed with one of our elders and said, I guess I don't need this anymore, and opened up his fanny pack and handed him the beer. church we're at another place where it's all about people it's about us stepping outside of our comfort zone so that more people can experience a relationship with God in fact last weekend we we had an incredible time out of water baptism and family fun day and at the end of it we, we looked on our Facebook page and God had wrote this thing to us and uh, thought it was pretty incredible and I'll, I'll try not to read all of it but I'll paraphrase some of it. He says, today was a big day for me. For many years I was a non-believer. When my wife and I were dating I explained to her my non-beliefs. Like basically he told her I don't, I don't believe anything. He said she could have given up on me but she didn't and she just prayed. After we moved to Florida, she asked me one night if, we'd be, if I'd be willing to go to church and give it a shot, and I told her I would help her find a church, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. He's like, I'm not interested in that, but I'll find you one. He said, for week after week, we went to church, and we, in parentheses, especially me, we just weren't feeling it. He said, on the seventh attempt, we stumbled into Coastal. And immediately it struck a chord with me. There was something about this place that was different. It was cool because they preached with normal kinds of music, some rock and some hip-hop. And he says the preacher was just extremely good-looking and handsome. Listen, this is my story. I can add to it, okay? Just, just kidding. I know it doesn't say that. It should, but it doesn't. It's just like... He said the people treated us like we've been attending for years. But most importantly, God spoke a word that spoke right to me about what was happening in my life. And so now that got my attention. And we attended again in the following week. And again, God spoke to me something directly pertaining to what was happening in my life. We continue to attend every Sunday, still holding this bit of skepticism. Then one week, it was particularly tough. God spoke a word that I could relate to yet again. And at the end of service, Pastor TJ asked if you're ready to take your next step in the journey with Jesus. 
to raise your hand and pray a prayer. That day I raised my hand and said the prayer. Vast amounts of miracles began to happen. We didn't have enough money to cover our bills and it came and when my job wasn't cutting it career-wise and financially, I literally got a bigger and better position. Things just continued to happen. Everything was going great and I just kept saying, thank you, God. Today, I took the next step in my journey and got baptized. This baptism symbolizes my newfound belief in God and how great God has and continues to be in my life. See, if we'll get to the heart of Jesus, which is people, as we keep our hope and our focus on Jesus, then hope will rise. Lives will be changed in our lives.